guys. So anyway, hey, listen, we've been in a series for the past three weeks called Jesus is Greater Than Religion, and we wrapped that up last week. And so what we actually try to do here at the church is we try to stay in um, different series so that hopefully by the end of the series you learned something and we feel like we've covered some good ground. Well, we're actually over with that, and um, for the next about three weeks we're going to do what we call just kind of a standalone, and what I want to do over the next few weeks is really just kind of share my heart with you guys, some of the things that I've seen over the last few weeks and even after, after the last few years, that well, only year that we've been here. And um, some things that I just want to personally share with you. And then after we're done with that, we're going to jump into, for the rest of the summer, we're going to do an entire series on the book of Ephesians, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, We're going to do six weeks in the book of Ephesians. And the whole goal behind it is when we're done with that, that you really understand what's going on in the book of Ephesians. We're going to help you walk through some things. We're creating some devotionals right now that you can take home. And so not only will it be a message or just a series that you hear on Sunday, but it will be something that you'll be able to do literally every single day of the week. So for six weeks, we're going to have a bunch of material for you. And the whole goal of it is really to just help you connect and go cl- grow closer in your relationship with Jesus. So this week, I want to talk about simply the fear of man. Because I think that most people, if we're not cautious, and including myself, we live under this pressure of what other people constantly think about us. I think many of us end up actually making decisions based on how it's going to affect other people or how other people are going to view us, and we're crippled in some of the decisions that we make. So before I dive into this, let's go ahead and just pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that this morning we have the opportunity to really just give you glory and honor. God, I pray that this would be more than just a a sermon. It would be more than just the church service. But God, I pray that today that you would radically speak to us. God, that you would break down walls, that you would break down barriers. And ultimately, God, that you would have your way in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Well, if you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, the uh, verses are going to be there on the screen. And this is what's about to happen. I want to kind of set up the scenario before I actually go into reading it. You've got all these people that have kind of um, just given their life to Jesus, and they're excited about what God's doing in their heart. And most of the time when when you give your life to Jesus for the first time, you're excited and you just want to tell everybody. So these are kind of where these people are at. And it says that they're in this church building, and all these Pharisees walk into the church building. So ultimately, this is what happens. All these pastors and leaders, and so all these people that kind of know the Bible, that know what's going on, and this is where we pick up in John 12, verse 42. It says, nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. So he's saying there's a lot of people in the building that believe in Jesus, but watch this. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. So here's what this is saying. They did not speak about Jesus. They did not say anything about Jesus because they feared their pastors. They feared their leaders. They feared, if I say this, do I have the right words? And ultimately, if I don't say it right, are they going to kick me out of the church? And so this is ultimately what this means. 
how they were perceived by other people, their reputation, what they said was on the line, and they chose to be quiet because they were scared of the people around them. How many of you have ever been in a conversation with other people and you knew the right thing to say, but you just chose not to say it for fear of what everybody else would think? Show of hands. How many of you guys have ever done that? This is what's going on here. Now listen, this is Jesus talking. Now John 12, 42. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So here's, what's, here's what he's saying. They felt like the approval of man, the approval of people, was more important than the approval from God the Father. And so here's what I want to accomplish today. Very simple. I don't have like three or four or five points that I want to get across. I want to get across one big idea today that ultimately at the end of the day the approval that you receive from your heavenly father is greater than the approval that you can receive from a husband a wife a friend a boss a co-worker or somebody that you look up to in your life the approval that you receive from god the father is the most important approval that you will ever receive so what is the fear of man let's put some teeth to it i want to give it a definition and this is what it is When you have a deep concern about what others think of you, that there is this controlling desire for human approval and a controlling fear of people's rejection. A controlling fear of people's rejection. So this is what this means. You desire to be respected, esteemed, admired, included, and ultimately you have a fear of being overlooked. Maybe you have some giftings, maybe you have some talents, and maybe you get to work and you're working your tail off because you want people to notice you because you're saying, listen, I've got some gifts, I've got some things to offer, and I want to be approved of. Now, here's the truth. I think for some of us, there's a deeper root behind it, right? Maybe our dads never approved us. Maybe our dads never said, hey, I love you. Or maybe your mom never approved of you and said, hey, you do a good job. And so we have this emptiness inside of us and we're trying to find it and we're trying to seek it and we're trying to look for it. And so we're trying to earn the approval of man as hard as we can. Now, here's the truth. It's a legitimate desire to want to be approved of. It's a legitimate desire to want to be noticed and to want to be recognized. Here's the problem. The problem is when these natural desires become excessive or controlling. So, so let, me, let me put it this way. How, and if this is you in here, I'm sorry. Okay, The only way that I know how to describe this is you ever look at somebody's Facebook and the only pictures they have on their profile is of them? <laughs> It's like the whole time, it's like selfie of them and the pictures of them and everything is about them. And why? There's a deeper meaning behind that. Ultimately, it's just saying, look at me, approve of me. Somebody tell me that I look good. I want people to notice me because maybe deep down inside, they genuinely don't feel approved by Jesus. So when we become more concerned about what people's opinions are about us, this is the fear of man. How many of you are crippled by people's opinions about you? How many of you, it ruins your day when someone says, hey, I don't like that shirt on you. And you're just like, I'm scum. (laughs) And it's all that you can think about. It is like this controlling thing. When somebody points out something negative about you, it ruins you. It ruins you. And ultimately, at the end of the day, here's, here's the deal. This is the fear of man. You genuinely care so much about what people think about you. It becomes controlling. And you're not necessarily living the life that God's designed you to be. You're living the life that everybody else wants you to be. 
And this is a dangerous spot because then you get confused and, man, who am I really? And for some of us, we're in here and we, we really don't even know who we are anymore because we've been being trying to approve by so many other people. And we're defining ourselves by who other people say that we are. And the most dangerous thing about the fear of man is, watch this, people become big and God becomes small. The approval of people becomes everything and God becomes minute. Because people are tangible, you can touch them, you can hear them, you can talk to them, you can tell them, approve me. So the fear of man reduces God to this minimalistic size and it blows people up. And ultimately, we end up idolizing other people. We end up idolizing other people. The problem with idolizing other people is they're going to fail you. And then when you idolize them, this is how friendships end. (laughs) This is how divorce happens. Because ultimately, you put so much weight on this one person. Fulfill me. Approve of me. And when they don't, it crushes you. It crushes you. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this, especially within the context of marriage. You've got a husband who is look, looking for a wife to fulfill all of his desires. Or you have a wife that is saying, just make me feel like the Disney princess. <laughs> just make me feel like this. And when it doesn't happen, you're crushed. Because you put this, you idolize them. And ultimately, it's this fear of man. So here's what I want to do this morning. We don't, I don't do this often, but um, we're going to do some psychology today. Okay, so I want to diagnose if we have the fear of man. And so I'm going to ask us a series of questions. Now listen, I feel like this morning it's my job to just throw the truth out there, and it's your job to go home and begin to ask yourself the question, do I deal with this? Okay, so as we throw these up on the screen, if you want to take a picture of it, if you want to take out your notes app on your iPhone and write it down, I strongly encourage you to do so. Um, So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read a series of questions. I didn't make these questions up. If you'd like further reading for these questions, you can go and uh, read a guy, his his, his book. uh, The author is Ed Welsh, and the book is called When People Are Big and God is Small. And he has nine questions that will kind of help us diagnose whether we have the fear of man. You ready? Two of you. Great. You ready? Awesome. All right. Number one. Do you need something from others so that you become dependent upon them? Do you need something from others so that you become dependent upon them? Let me, let me give you an example of what this person is. These are the people that cannot make a decision without asking somebody else. Let me give you a small example of how this plays out. Hey, babe, what restaurant do you want to go to? I don't know, whatever restaurant you want to go to. And then you actually pull up at the restaurant, and she's like, I hate this place. Well, you just, okay, never mind. I'll just leave it at that. Number two, do you expect a lot from people? Or in other words, do you expect so much from people that you don't have problems, it's just everybody else's problem? Do you expect so much from people, the misery and the joylessness that you feel is not your fault, it's everybody else's fault? Because you expect so much from people. You put this crushing weight on them that says, perform, I need you, do this for me, and I'll be happy. Number three, do you ever crave compliments? Do you crave compliments? Let me, let me put it to you this way. Do you ever fish for compliments? So here's what this means. Or maybe you say something stupid about yourself, hoping that someone will say, no, your face isn't that ugly. (laughs) 
You're like, I just have a horrible face. And the only, you don't really think that about yourself, but you just say it in hoping that the other person will say, no, your face isn't that bad. Or I hate this shirt, or I hate the way I walk, or I hate the way my voice sounds, I can't stand the job I have. And you're just waiting for somebody to give you a compliment. You're fishing for compliments. Number four, do you need to have people's approval over you? Is God's approval not enough? Like you need someone else to stay. Stamp of approval. I approve of this decision. You're making the best decision. This is what you should do. Number five, are you ever afraid you might be exposed as an imposter? Do you give off this front and that everybody knows you, hey, this is the person that you are, but if somebody began to get in the details of your life, you're scared. And, and here's the truth. This is why so many of us run away from community. This is why so many of us, when you hear us say next step in life groups, you're like, man, that's great, but I can't get in that because people are going to find out who I really am. And listen, at the end of the day, this is the fear of man. Number six, are you concerned with how you look, how much you weigh, or how you're dressed? Does this determine your joy? Women, you know what I'm talking like, I don't have the perfect dress on, and today I just feel ugly, right? All right you, you went into Walmart, and you know the whole deal, you throw something real quick on, and you're like, man, I'm going to just go down the aisles and dodge everybody I can. If I see somebody now, I'm going to dodge them, because I don't have my makeup on today, I don't have my hair done right. And ultimately, it's the fear of man. Like, we don't have the makeup on, we don't have the right clothes on, we don't have the right look on, and we fear that people are going to be like, oh my God, (laughs) did you see her? (laughs) Number seven, do you feel underappreciated? Let me put it to you this way. I do all these things and nobody ever notices me. Man, I work so hard. You're at your job and, and you're, you feel like you're doing everything that you can to win the approval of your boss and you're working as hard as you can, but you just live in this constant state of discontentment because you're like, nobody notices me. Nobody approves of me. Number eight, this is, this is a big one. Do you ever make excuses for your mistakes, justify your bad behavior, or shift blame because you can't handle the thought of failing before people. I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this one. And let me tell you why I struggle with this one. I, my wife will tell you this, with a lot, not everything in my life, but a lot of things in my life, I'm a perfectionist. So I like to have things done right. And here's the truth, when I fail, when I blow it, it's hard for me to accept it because then I have to be, I have to fail in front of everybody else and everybody has to see my mistakes. This got magnified even when we started the church because now not only do I make mistakes, but everybody sees my mistakes. (laughs) When you get put on a platform and people know who you are and you can no longer like, I don't, like some of you guys, like you can ride in town and somebody cuts you off and you're like, yeah, like I can't do that. I got a sticker on the back of my car that says Our Savior's Church. (laughs) Isn't that, oh, well, what kind of church is that? (laughs) Number nine, do you compare yourself to others, now watch this, and feel good about yourself when you win and others lose? 
Man, do you just feel so good when others lose and you win? When others fail, fall flat on their face, and you can say things like, man, they deserve that. I've worked hard. I need to win. Ultimately, at the end of the day, this is the fear of man. And here's the truth. All nine of these questions, if we do any of these, this is the fear of man and this is bondage. So I want everybody in here to feel very comfortable about this. Just show of hands. Out of all these questions, how many of you could identify with at least one? Everybody, hands up. Okay, so everybody, take a look around. Take a look around. Look at this, okay? So you're, you're not alone this morning. That one person that's still raising your hand, you can put it down. You're not alone this morning. And I think that this is, listen, this is another reason why community and life groups and next step right after service, even if you haven't signed up, I would encourage you to go. This is why it's so important because I think the lie that the enemy tells us all the time is this. You're the only one that deals with this. You're the only one that deals with this. And the truth is, when we begin to get really honest with ourselves, when we begin to look around this room, everybody deals with it. And that's the most freeing part about community. That's the most freeing part about going through things like Next Step and being a part of life groups is that you begin to realize, maybe I'm not as crazy as I thought I was. The fear of man is a horrible way to live And here's the truth, nothing will grip us harder than the fear of man. The fear of man will tell you how to think, it will tell you how to feel, it will tell you how to act, it will tell you what to wear, and it will tell you who to be. There are many of us in this room that, and I want to give it a category, that have been scarred by this idol. The fear of man, at the end of the day, is idolatry. It is placing the approval of God above the approval of Jesus. This is what idolatry is, taking things that are good and putting them above Christ. Here's the truth. I know because when we hear this, sometimes when we think of idolatry, we think of like worshiping statues and actual figurines and actual idols. That is a portion of it. The greater portion that Jesus is trying to cover when he's talking about idols is simply anything that you place above me is an idol. Your work can be idolatry. Your, your husband, your wife, your hobbies, men. <laughs> it can all be idolatry. Anything that you put above Jesus, above God, above your relationship with Christ is idolatry. And here's the truth. The root of idolatry is finding your identity in anything other than Christ. So let me give it to you very simply for men that are from the South. Okay, a lot of men from the South find their they find their identity in what they do. So we find our identity is man. I'm a man from the South. I drive a four by four. I work hard. I work with my hands. I hunt. I fish. Or I'm a business owner. I do this. I do that. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself the question: If any of that was removed from you, who would you be? And you know what? The truth is, although it's a sad state, and I would not wish it on anybody, and I hope that it doesn't come to you, and everybody knows this in our economy, the oil field is just bad right now. And I pray that it gets better so guys can have jobs, but I think the one thing that this has done, and here's the truth, this is the hard truth, is it's revealed some people and who they really are. 
Because some of us don't know who we are outside of our job, outside of our work, outside of what we do, outside of what we're tied to. Some of you are still dealing with guilt over a compromise you made in your life simply to win the approval of others. You ever, you ever find yourself doing the dumbest things in your life only because you were around a bunch of dumb people? It's like you're standing on a bridge and everybody's like, hey man, I bet you won't jump off. And then like two people jump off and then you jump off and break your leg because it's probably a dumb decision, but you did it just because everybody else is doing it. A lot of us have made decisions and we still make decisions, not because we want to, but because we're controlled by the fear of man and we're only doing it because other people are doing it. So here's the question. What is it about human nature that causes us to struggle this way? And the truth is, we're glory-hungry people. We want greatness, we want significance, we want approval, and that's the human heart. We desire glory. We desire to be approved. And the truth is, we were made for glory. We were made to be approved. And you and I were made for acclaim. But it's just sometimes redirected wrongly. So we're made to be approved by God. We're made to be lifted up. We talked about it last week. Those that humble themselves, God will lift them up. He will exalt them. Let me give you an example. If you look at the story of Adam and Eve, God puts them in a garden. And what does he say? The first thing that he does is he approves them. He says, this is very good. Adam, I have created you to be the perfect fit for this garden. To keep it up and you and your wife to be able to do what you need to do in it. I approve of you. It's one of the very first things that God does. He crowns them with glory and honor and he gives them approval. He gives them acceptance. Not only does he give them acceptance, he gives them himself. Like God the Father comes down from heaven and it takes a walk with Adam and Eve. You and I were made for this. We were made for glory. We were made for approval. But in Genesis chapter 3, we lost it. Sin came into the world and began to break things. And it cracked the foundations of how things are. And sin enters into the picture. And it robbed and stripped Adam and Eve of the approval of God. Because what happens when they're deceived by Satan? Did God really say that? Was his approval really enough? And I think that's what many of us battle with, we struggle with. The same lie that Adam and Eve believed in the garden, we still wrestle with today. And the approval that comes from God, is it really enough? Will that really satisfy me? Will I really find my joy there? Will I really find hope in the approval of the Father? I don't think so. I think I need to go out and I need to find identity. I need to find a claim. I need to find glory somewhere else. And though we may not consciously say it, we live our lives as such. I don't think anybody would come out and consciously say, you know what, God, you don't approve of me, so I'm going to go off and find my own approval. But the way that we live our lives begins to say this. And I think the truth is we're going to try any way we can for some of us to get that glory and to get that acclaim and to get that approval back. Some of us are trying through beauty. Some of us are trying through wealth. Some of us are trying through fame. Some of us are trying by reputation. If I could just have these things. Some of us are trying by power. 
And here's the truth. At the end of the day, it does not matter what you have. If you have not found your approval in Christ, all of those things will fail you. And listen, I don't think that I'm telling you anything that you don't know today. I think a lot of times, even in my own life, when I read the Bible, I've, I've read it tons of times. I've heard messages on this tons of times. But I think what God wants to do to us today is though I may not giving you any new information, I think that he lovingly just wants to remind you of some things. And I find that's what the Holy Spirit is just really, really good at. Hey, I know you know this, but let me just remind you that we need to redirect some things in your life. We need to shift some things over. The approval that you get from that person, it's not going to give you what you want. It's not going to give you what you need. See, I think at the heart of the fear of man, they're just the fig leaves that Adam and Eve used to cover themselves. You remember the story when Adam and Eve standing before it, when they, they took a bite of the fruit and all of a sudden it says they realized they were naked and they were ashamed. They realized like, oh my God, we don't have clothes on. And so it says that they went in and they grabbed fig leaves. Have you ever touched a fig leaf? <laughs> put that over the most sensitive parts of your body and they created clothes for themselves and God comes in looking for them Adam and Eve where are you God we're hiding we're naked we're embarrassed we're ashamed and what does he ask him he said who told you you're naked here's the deal I think the fear of man is the fig leaf of choice see the enemy he's just gotten better at his craft but he has no new tricks He's gotten better at deceiving people, but we're still doing the same thing that we did thousands of years ago. The fear of man is now our fig leaf of choice. I'm not getting approval by God, so I need it from somebody else. It's just a fig leaf. In junior high, despite all my attempts to try to be athletic, it just did not happen. (laughs) I played... um, JV football, and uh, I played uh, two games, and I quit. (laughs) The first game, they put me in as running back, which I was in track, and I was pretty fast, and so needless to say, but I forgot that if you're a running back, you get smashed by other people, Um, and I caught the ball, and I'm running towards the end zone, and I'm like, oh my God, I may actually be good at this football thing. And I remember there is this guy, probably three times my size, and I pridefully think to myself, there is no way this guy's going to catch up to me. And I don't know how, but this guy just was like steamrolling across the field, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to get plastered. And this guy hits me, the ball goes into my chest, and I think I like did not breathe for about a whole five hours. At least that's what it felt like, right? And I realized in that moment, okay, this body is not cut out for football. I am just not athletic to do this. Now, let me tell you, the only reason that I signed up to play football was not because I enjoyed it. I hated practices. Like, absolutely hated them. I hate, still to this day, judge me if you want, I hate football. I just cannot stand it. I think it's boring to watch. I don't get it. I don't understand why so many people center their lives around it. It is literally a leather ball that you throw to somebody like, just get to the other side of the field and we're gonna, that guy with the pads is going to tackle you. It's going to be great. Like, what? 
But for some reason in America, we lap it up. We love it. And I know all you Saints fans are probably going to maul me after service. But I cannot stand football. The only reason that I played football and attempted football because every single one of my friends played football. And so I was like, man, if they're doing it, I'll give it a shot. And I know this is a silly example, but I want us to see how the enemy works. That so many of us do things that we were never wired to do never created to do, that God never designed us to do, and we still try to do them only because everybody else is. And so some of you, you're even in careers right now where you're just running your wheels and you're just burning yourself out only because you're just trying to say by that one person, hey, you're good job, approval. Listen, let me just free some of you moms today. Listen, Just because you may look at some moms and say, man, she stays home, she takes care of her kids, she's so awesome, she's a great homemaker, she cooks dinner, she does all these things. Listen, for some of you women, it's okay if you don't do that. It is totally okay. Like, if if you need to go to work and that's what God's designed you and created you to do, but then by the grace of God, do that. And I think that sometimes we can get stuck in this, this bubble of like, well, all my other friends are doing this. That I guess this is the mom that I have to be. And man, you stay at home and you're like, I hate this. I want to kill my kids. Listen, there's nothing wrong. There's no wrong or right. It's not like Jesus wrote in the Bible, the woman must stay home with the children and she shall not go to work. Commandment 11. Like, it just didn't happen like that. But so many of us are so gripped by what people will think of us that we choose not to make certain decisions. Claire and I were faced with this very early on. When we we got married and we got together, we knew right away we want a big family. Man, when we walk into a restaurant, like everybody's looking at us. Okay, we got five kids coming in. We walked into, we were in like Charles yesterday, and we're, we're sitting down at Panera Bread. Every single time we walk into a restaurant, somebody's going to trip, somebody's going to fall, and there's going to be loud screams as we enter into the restaurant. (laughs) So not only can we just try to like sneak into the corner booth where nobody knows us, it's like we come in and everybody knows we have arrived. And if you have a three-year-old little girl who is, oh my gosh, she, everything is magnified everything. She bent her finger, like just bent her finger. And I said, let me look at it. And I touched it, barely squeezing it in in the middle of Panera Bread. It's like a scream that just lasted for eternity. And as parents, like, shut up. Oh my God, shut up. (laughs) Right? So we were faced with that decision early on in our marriage of like, man, should we keep having kids? Like, can we do this? Because some people tell us, man, you're going to have too many, you're going to stress yourself out, you're leading a church, you're going to have a big family. How, I mean, I don't know how you can do this. I mean, people have literally told us that. And listen, so we've, we've felt that, like, that struggle, the intensity of that, man, it, or should we follow what God's called us to do, or should we do what everybody else around us is doing? Because, man, big families is not the norm any, anymore, right? Two, three kids. And listen, if God's called you to have two or three kids, there's no shame in that either. There's no wrong or right. I genuinely believe that God's designed certain people with certain capacities. 
And it's not that one is better than the other. It's just be who you are. And the only way that you can do that is by finding your approval in Christ. And so here's the thing. When we fall in the grips of the fear of man, we end up not making decisions or we end up making decisions that we shouldn't be making. And it cripples us. We're just trying to prove to ourselves and everyone around us that we're worth something. We're trying to show everyone that we do matter and that we do have significance. You see, Adam and Eve hid their nakedness with fig leaves. Why? Because they were ashamed. Because they were ashamed. Because they felt like, oh, God knows who we are now and is he going to approve of us? We know who we are. God knows who we really are. Will he still love us? Will he still approve of us? So here's the truth. The last question. How do we get liberated from the fear of man? How do we get set free from this fear? And I think the truth is what we spent the last three weeks covering, the truth is you really need to understand the gospel. You have to have a great understanding of the gospel. So I wrote this down. This is the gospel. That we are sinners underneath the con- under the condemnation of God, yet God in his grace has clothed himself in flesh, stepped into our place, took our sin upon himself, and took the wrath of the Father in our place. Our record of sin is canceled, and Christ is condemned in our place. Therefore, we are accepted, and this is ours by faith. That's the gospel. So Jesus, our God, sent Jesus, his one and only Son, to take on the wrath of the Father, the anger that the Father had with the the sin of mankind. And Jesus bore that wrath. And so standing, when you realize, when you receive salvation, it's not just you. Like Jesus stands before you and he takes that on. According to Zephaniah 3.17, the God of the universe looks upon us and he delights in us. And this is the kind of glory that we want. This is the kind of approval. This is the kind of claim that we were designed for. And so today, I think all God is trying to tell us is, listen, it's not a bad thing to desire approval. It's not a bad thing to desire acclaim and glory. It's just, it just needs to be redirected. Rather than finding that in people, we've got to learn to find that in Christ. And here's the truth. For many of us, the, on, the only way that you're going to, and I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of this, the only way you're going to find it is by getting in community. Sunday morning services will not be enough for you. TV preachers will not be enough for you. The best communicators in the world will not be enough for you. Because here's the deal, at the end of the day, all the people that you listen to and the people that you watch on TV and the people that you hear on the radio will not come to you when you have a crisis. That's why we need groups, we need community, we need pastors, we need people that can love us and shape us. Ultimately, we need to be a part of a healthy church. And so for some of you, I I simply just want to call you out this morning. The fear of man that you have, that emptiness that you have inside, one, needs to be filled with Christ, and second, is only going to be found in community. It's only going to be found in community, because here's the deal— I believe we live in a day and age now where we, man, we have so much knowledge. I mean, used to, like back in the day, preparing a sermon when my dad was writing sermons, 
to get resources and commentaries and theologians' views on verses. You had to sit in a library with like a ton of books and like with A to Z. <laughs> like today, you just type it in on Google, commentary on the book of John, boom, right there for you. Uh, think about it this way, even today, how our lives have changed. Like, hey, where do you want to eat? I don't know. Let me go on my maps and find out what restaurants are around us. Like, we have knowledge at our fingertips. So here's the truth. Many of us don't need more knowledge. We just need to practice what God is teaching us. We don't need knowledge. We don't need a fresh revelation. <laughs> like, God, I'm just waiting for a revelation. No, God just wants you to act out what you already know. That's the truth. Like, I promise you, probably many of you in here know exactly what you need to do. You're just too scared to take the next step. That's why we've designed this class that we're going to do after service. And yet again, I'm inviting you to it if you haven't signed up for it. We call it next step. So that you can learn to take your next step. Super creative, I know. <laughs> Listen, any other glory outside that comes from the Father is foolishness because it will beg for more and will never satisfy you. Ephesians 1.4 says it this way, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So here's what this means. We're going to talk about this in our um, series in Ephesians in three weeks. You were defined by God before this world could ever define you. Listen, you were approved by God before your husband ever came in your life. You were approved by God before your friends even knew you. You were approved by God before you got that job and you felt like you had to work and you had to, had to do all these things to find worth and approval and identity. Before the foundations of the earth, before God created anything, he approved you. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of approval that I want. And my concern for some of you is that you would solely bank on the grace of God and not be approved by God. So here's what this means. Many of us have a saying in here, and it goes like this. I can live however I want, and God will give me grace. So the last few weeks, we talked about this crazy, scandalous grace that God offers us. And I'm not trying to nullify that in any kind of way. But what I do want to say is we must fight against the sinful patterns in us instead of excusing them. And just using grace as a crutch. Man, I got this, and God will just cover me, because God is so gracious and loving. He is, but he wants you to work through your stuff. <laughs> he wants you to be honest about where you're at, and you can't just use grace as a crutch. I'm going to close with a quote by Bonhoeffer, and he gives two definitions, one of cheap grace and one of costly grace. And this is what he says. This is cheap grace. Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. So we give it to ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness. Now watch this. Without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. That's cheap grace. And this is what some of us buy into. We buy into this cheap grace. Man, I can, God forgives me and I don't have to be repentant about my sin. I don't have to 
plot out a plan of what do I need to get away from this? I sat down with a, um, a couple earlier this week, and I said, listen, the issue that you're going through is not so much spiritual as it is practical. And here's what this means. You don't need to hear from God right now. You know what you need to do. You just need to put in a practical plan to get you out of this slump. And so for some of us, here's the question that I have for you today. You are hit with the fear of man. You crave this approval from other people. And you don't know how to get rid of it. I want to encourage you to put in some practical application steps. The first thing that I want to encourage you to do, if you're in here today and you've never been through our next step class, I strongly encourage you, directly after service, if you guys know where we do our first Wednesdays at First Presbyterian Church, you literally, it's two blocks that way. We're going to serve pizza, and we're going to eat for about 10 minutes, and we'll dive in. I'll teach for about 45 minutes of how you can take some next steps. I strongly encourage you to go through that. And listen, if we have more people that show up than normal, we'll share the packets and we'll go through it and it'll be fine. I want to encourage you to do so because here's the truth. I want church to be so much more than what you do on Sundays. I want church to be something that you, that radically changes your life, that teaches you how that, man, I cannot live without community I can't live without people. I can't live without being open and honest with other people. Here's the truth. Many of us practice the art of confession to God. We need to learn to practice the art of confession to other people so that we can be rid of that guilt and shame. James says if you want to be healed, then you've got to go to people. If you want to be forgiven, God will forgive you every time. But the reason that some of you are holding on to that sin and that shame and that guilt is because you have not learned the art of confessing to one another and having people walk with you. So I want to pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are. God, I pray that this morning this would be so much more than just a sermon. God, I pray that it would be so much more than just a church service that we do on Sundays. But God, I pray that ultimately that you would begin to have your way in our life. God, I pray for those that are dealing with the fear of man, trying to find approval in other people, or just saying this to themselves. They're saying, man, if I just had that boyfriend, or if I just had that girlfriend, or if I was just married, then I would be happy. God, I pray that ultimately it would not rely on that, that it would rely on finding that approval in you. Finding that approval of God that you look down upon them and say, I love you, I approve of you, I want you, I'm here for you.